Hello and welcome. My guest is Kenny Whitwer, aka Genderwork. We met up in their Philly apartment to chat about their music. They also gave an exclusive performance. Here is Cave from this session.
<laughs> so yes, thank you again. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for for being here. Yes. Um so you usually play with keyboards? Yes. Did you start as a piano student? Um no, actually I didn't. Um the first instrument I learned uh was the trumpet. Um I started taking lessons in 5th grade and actually my elementary school um was like being renovated at the time, so like I couldn't actually usually practice in like a music room or a classroom so uh unfortunately for everyone in that school we had lessons in the stairwells um so it's like when you're just learning trumpet and especially like a brass instrument like you are just really god awful for a really long time and like i'm just blaring like awful whale noises like um so that that was my introduction to playing music actually um and i followed through with trumpet through like middle school and high school and did like jazz band and stuff and mm -hmm. then like after like a year of playing trumpet i wanted to start playing uh keyboard so i started playing my brother's uh keyboard which i've been borrowing um <laughs> and just started learning other stuff cool um so there's so much like i feel like in this you know diy rock community how does one gravitate towards instrumental music and electronic instead of just like guitar and lyrics and all that? Um, I guess partially just being a chronic contrarian um, and also just like not having, honestly just not having any confidence in a singing voice. Like I just like, I just don't, I don't know why, like I can like get drunk and like sing karaoke, but for some reason <laughs> I'm like still, like I still can't really bring myself to like sing in front of people. Like I've mm -hmm. done it a couple times at Gender Work shows where like I've like covered like, like dancing on my own or like running up that hill and then like i'd mm -hmm. like hear it back i'm like yeah i shouldn't do that <laughs> again so i don't know also i'm just like really attached to i don't know like instrumental electronic stuff i'll um i don't really i guess i don't really know how or why but i just like um um i guess for me i just i like um I guess just like having control over like everything, I guess I get, it can be like a control freak with like music sometimes. So doing it in this way kind of really helps me try to like manipulate everything. <laughs> I guess. So do you feel like you have, so right now in front of me, we've got four devices, right? Mm -hmm. um, unless I'm like many, yeah, just, there's <laughs> one on one with my elbow. It's a tight space. <laughs> unless I'm like missing something small. But um, do you feel like you have... So first of all, what exactly is your setup? Especially this thing that I'm pointing at right now. Oh, that thing yeah. blows my mind. So this thing, um, that's I'm not currently doing anything with it. And it's like making cool things on the screen. Yeah. This is a Korg Chaos Pad. It's a KP3+. Plus. Um, it's a looper, sampler, effects processor thing um, that I got a couple of years ago with my tax return. <laughs> um, and uh, you can yeah do up to four samples at a time. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a really um, sometimes exciting now I feel like more like frustrating limitation. Um, so I have to be kind of creative with um, what I'm doing and more efficient with what I'm doing. Cause mm -hmm. if I like put too many layers and it's like, Oh wait, now I don't have room for a bass track. <laughs> and it's just like, Oh, well I have to do this differently. Um, or like you snapshot three of them to make room like on a fourth one. So then they're all playing together. Then you free up these three yeah. like, to make sure that those three samples you want to listen to for another couple yeah. minutes, you know? So it's like doing this weird, like <laughs> drag and not quite drag and drop, but like this weird kind of like plugging and chugging kind of like yeah. thing with it. Which You're is kind fun. of like, like, um, connected to like, if you, I guess bounce them together, you're kind of 
connected to them, I guess. Like they, you can't break them apart after exactly. a while. Yeah, yeah, I can't break them apart. So they're just there as a snapshot to make room on the other like sample channels. So, you know, down the road, I would really like to have something that, that lets me do more, but at the same time making electronic music, like since like, it's almost like anything is possible because <laughs> there's just so much at your disposal. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's kind of helpful to have like a, like a strict limitation with something. Yeah. Um, so it's like, all right, I have four channels to work with. So like, that's what I need to do. And that's why yeah. I cut myself off from like making something that's like just insane. <laughs> um, so it, it kind of helps. Do you think like in the long run it'll, or I guess just in general, you know, having these limitations kind of forces you to work with it. And I guess, I don't know, I guess you see it as a benefit in some ways. Yeah, I guess I'm mostly trying to see it as a benefit, just mostly because I don't have the funds to get other things. And then it's like, well, this is a really fun <laughs> challenge. So I'm just kind of <laughs> phrasing it that way. Um, but yeah, I've been kind of looking at other things and looking what other like electronic like uh, musicians do and their stuff is generally a lot more um, elaborate. Um, mm-hmm. and fancy so i'd like to <laughs> i'd like to tap into that someday yeah. but for now i kind of like just having like a micro korg that pad mm-hmm. and then um i use the yamaha keyboard mainly for drum sounds i really like yamaha drum sounds and i like yeah. to loop them with the sounds on here and then this old keyboard too <laughs> um i also have hiding back here this uh game boy that my <laughs> siblings boyfriend andrew um got me for christmas that i can mm-hmm. make music with with lsdj which i'm figuring out <laughs> what all that means um i can occasionally make a couple notes with it i'm mm-hmm. still i'm still learning how to make this work um but that's a really exciting yeah thing that's that really i want to cool. explore some more <laughs> so when you are uh so i assume i mean this when you're recording do you have more like um, do you have more freedom to add tracks and everything oh definitely yeah, yeah. um and then sometimes sometimes i think i have too much freedom i use uh cubase software mm-hmm um, which I feel like is like a diet Ableton or something like that. <laughs> um, I can add like a whole bunch of tracks so I'm, I'm not tied down to like just the four like loops on like the sampler yeah. and like I'll mainly just use like this looping stuff to make a cool drum beat and then I can even expand on that. Um, usually if I make like a drum beat on the pad, I would eventually re-record it in separate tracks or, um, here using like the Yamaha keyboard mm-hmm. where I have like a separate track for the kick and the snare yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. so I can like obsess over it. <laughs> um, do, do you record with a click track? Um, I usually do, um, or at least like I'd have like, uh, like a click to like count in as like a pre-count mm-hmm. and then I either have it on while I'm laying down like the drum track or I just like trust that I can kind of try to do it without it when I do the drum track. And then once the drums are laid down, I don't use the click. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I feel like they're the click <laughs> at that point. <laughs> so, uh, so I guess that's kind of how I, how I do it. Yeah. Um, so do you feel like you are familiar enough that when you go to compose, do you know exactly what sounds like you have in your head and that you know you can recreate them? Or is it more of an experimental thing where you go into the keyboard and just kind of mess around until you find a sound that you think is really cool? I feel like it's both. Like sometimes I really think that I have the right sound. Like I know exactly which one. Like, I'm going to hit drum track 118 <laughs> and this snare, that's the D like key. And then and then I like record. I'm like, wait, that's nothing near what I thought it was going to sound like. And then I like manipulate it. And then, and then there's other times where like I like I know exactly what I want and mm-hmm. then it just like works. But yeah. more often than not, it doesn't work that way. So I have to like, I have to keep <laughs> like experimenting with it. Um, I like, I get really obsessive over snares, especially. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I feel like 
like listening back on some of my older stuff, I feel like the snare is too present. So I, maybe I like I might have overemphasized overemphasized the importance of the snare <laughs> in those songs, and then like that's all I hear when I play it back. I'm like, oh well, I think I can turn that down, and people still get that it's there. <laughs> so the learning process. Yeah, I was surprised to hear you say that, just because like. I assume it would be ha- like more to do with the synth sounds, like the keyboard noises and everything. Do you feel like that's something you just have down, or would it also fall into that category of? Um, I think that f- it falls into the same category mm-hmm. um, where it takes. Sometimes I like I feel like I know which exact patch I want, and it sounds perfect. And other times I'm just sitting here toying with it forever, <laughs> like with every little knob until like I feel like I can get it yeah. almost exactly how I want. Um, but I do really spend, I spend a lot of time on percussion and on bass. Wow. That's so interesting. Um, just as yeah. like someone who like doesn't do electronic music, I just think like, oh, whatever snare you have, that's what it sounds like. That's really interesting to hear someone like obsess over, you know, that noise in particular. I feel like it's also partially just because this stuff isn't really designed for that. Or like that, that's like a $200 like Yamaha <laughs> keyboard I got in like high school. So then yeah. I like obsess over it to basically make it sound like it's something better. Like yeah. it's like, you know, like an 808 drum machine or some kind of like fancy thing. So I just try to like produce the crap out of it <laughs> <laughs> to make it not sound like I'm just hitting these piano keys that have a drum voice. Um, so, yeah. Do you still play trumpet? Um, I haven't in a while. I've been wanting to get back into it. I've also been nervous too because like knowing... Like I had to kind of relearn how to play several times while I was really heavy into it because I had braces and retainers and that like changes the shape of your mouth, which changes how you form the notes, Yeah, um, which is like, it was very bizarre having to do. And then since my teeth have since resettled and I've been out of practice, I know that whoever is within like 50 feet of me, the next time I pick up a trumpet is gonna, <laughs> is gonna regret it. So um, I guess I just, I just find a good practice space yeah. for it, but I would really like to get back into it. You still have your trumpet? I have it. It's um, <laughs> it's here somewhere. Oh, it's in it's in that like dungeony room back there. Okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's here. Um, do you want to play another track? Sure. Cool. Yeah, I'll play another one.
<laughs> so your first instrument you said was trumpet, but when you um, started playing keyboards, did it start on like an acoustic piano or was it right to synths? Um, it started right with, with this guy here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just started playing that like in my basement cause I was like listening to a lot of, I mean, I grew up with a lot of like eighties, like synth pop, mm-hmm. like eighties pop stuff. Um, so I was always like really attached to like synth lines and stuff. I guess at an early age, like honestly, like, um, the song 99 love balloons like that, yeah, like yeah, yeah. that, like that synth line, like that, like made me want to like play keyboard. <laughs> I know that's like really dorky. I don't have like a cool story of like, Oh, I really love this like <laughs> singer songwriter that and like, I have this like deep <laughs> connection. It's like, no, honestly it was that song. Like I really wanted to play keyboard and like, and here we are. Um, so yeah, I would just like play that like, um, a lot. And then eventually I saved up enough money to like get this thing and, practice with that a lot we never really had like an actual like piano mm-hmm. um at home it was just like these two things mm-hmm. um and you're talking about this because audio so this is the thing i'm pointing to right now that listeners can't see but all right this is a um it's like a digital piano yeah like a digital Casio. piano yeah it's mm-hmm. a, a yamaha like portable keyboard mm-hmm. um, from like 2007 2008 mm-hmm. um and then the casio keyboard from 1993 mm-hmm so that's like an analog kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like a collector of those kinds of keyboards. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. There's another one very similar to this. Either a couple models ahead or a couple behind upstairs. You should check out. <laughs> it's not mine, but it's cool. <laughs> you like to borrow things. <laughs> um, and then kind of a follow-up to a previous question about, you know, sonic tone and everything. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about going in with a specific sound in mind, but when you do go to the keyboard, do you feel like you are comfortable enough? Like, you know, it really well, like you can navigate it that even after you've started playing and, you know, maybe you're drifting away from a certain sound. Do you feel like you know how to achieve something, I guess, as you're picking up inspiration from playing or, um, at this point I, I am starting to feel that way. Mm -hmm. Um, especially cause I've had the, the micro Korg is, um, which is up top, um, of this, this tier. Um, (laughs) I've had for about three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I've so far, I haven't actually like saved any of the like patches that I've like made to it. So like, I like like practicing by just like making them from scratch every time. So yeah. I feel like that's helped really like boost my, like, I guess like my confidence and also just like, yeah, my, like my ability to feel like I can like make the sound I want, like in that moment. Yeah. Um, so it's fun doing it like live and on a time crunch too. It's like, all right, I have eight beats to get this like tone right. But like, I know which knob I have to hit. I know like I have to turn this to square and then blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's and interesting as you play to like, watch you like kind of go around all, you know, all around the keyboard and shifting things and all that. Um, I also enjoy doing it too, like doing it that way because like everywhere you play is the sound is different. Yeah. Um, so it helps like know, like, cause I know like, all right, this is my ideal like setting that I want, but then I can hear like, Oh wow, the bass is like really loud in the way that this like PA is, or like, you know, I'm just playing through my keyboard amp in some random like place so that I can like kind of help tailor it that way too. And usually it works. (laughs) Um, when you play live, is it the exact same amount of, um, bars and measures as on the recording, or do you just kind of like see what you're feeling while you're playing? Um, it usually isn't, um, mostly because when like the recordings, I like, I don't usually use the loops when I record, like I use it to make like the demo of the song and then I'll go back and like record it all like in takes as if it's like a live instrument. Um, and then when I do it live, sometimes it takes me a little longer to like get the right sound or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then some of the transitions are, are a little bit longer or like, I just want to, or like it's a song that I've been playing long enough that I want to like do something a little different with it mm-hmm. and experiment with like different textures. 
um, like that last one, like is is pretty different from the the recording at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, which is fun. <laughs> and you did recently uh, put out a track with singing and lyrics and everything, but that was or somewhat recently, but that was someone else. Yes. So how did that track come about in that collaboration? Um. So um, if it's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, this January, like winterish, it was um, summer. What yeah, was it summer called? rain yeah, is yeah, the yeah. title. Um, it's a collaboration uh, with uh, my good friend Marina, who performs as Murayama. Mm-hmm. Um, where I had um, made this demo and I put it on my uh, Bandcamp. Sometimes I just like putting stuff that's like not really done yet um, up and just like seeing what happens. Yeah. And, and also like putting it up, and then I realized, oh wait, this is what I want to do with it <laughs> now that it's like in view. Yeah. Um, but um, she like really liked this one track, and then like she sent me um, this really lush flute canon that she recorded all like on her own with, and like this awesome. Uh, like vocal melody that she wrote and wrote the lyrics for. And she's like, hey, like, what do you think of this? And I was just like, you just made this song come to life. Like, this, is, <laughs> this is so beautiful. And like, I couldn't have asked for anything better. And then we just kept like working on it and getting it like polished. Um, we worked on it a bit with um, our good friend, Elaine Raznick, mm-hmm. um, who's a singer songwriter also based in Philly, um, a really, really amazing performer and um, producer. Um, definitely like one of the most like technically proficient Mm-hmm. like um musicians i know um in terms of like recording quality and ability like everything that has like her like her fingerprints on it is like very clear and uh just like really well done um mm-hmm. so i highly recommend um so she like the three of us were working on that mm-hmm. um together and uh yeah i'm really happy with how it turned out we do it live like sometimes i'll do it solo and then um there's times where me and marina get to uh, perform together and we do it together mm-hmm. and it's really fun will she be there tonight at the show um, she will not be there tonight, but we do have a show together um, June 1st. We're playing a benefit show for the Youth Art and Self-Empowerment Project mm-hmm. at the Arts Department Collective. And we're having like a hybrid set with um, Marina, myself, and our friend Robin Delane. Cool. That's the date that this will go up. So I'll try and time it well and promote <laughs> it along with the podcast and everything. Awesome. Um, so I feel like you're a queer identity has is connected to your music like you put on Bandcamp as like queer experimental synth pop and you had an ep called queer wave so like how do you feel like it connects to the music like what makes it queer i've been having more and more complex feelings about that the longer i've been doing this and the longer i've been like going under the name gender work Mm -hmm. um where i guess at first i felt like i kind of was like on like a mission in a way to make like just overtly like gay sounding music. So I was like, all right, here I am. And like, you know, these like punk like spaces. I mean, I was like going to basement shows a lot in Philly and all this stuff. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make really gay synthy dance music that like makes people move. Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of like, wasn't really trying as much to like, like perform gayness in music so much as just like be like, Oh, well I am a queer non-binary person making music. So whatever it is that's coming out of me without like trying to be a thing is inherently queer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's more or less my take on it now. Um, Cause I've honestly been having, like conflicting feelings about like the intersection of like DIY and like identity politics Mm -hmm. where there's times where like, I really like the concept of having like, this is an all queer bill, like Mm -hmm. queers only. And then the other times I'm like, well, is our queerness the only thing that ties us together on this bill? And then other times that like, I feel tokenized when like, I feel like someone is asking me to play a show like just because I'm queer and like no one else on the bill is and they want to like, 
queer it up a bit. <laughs> like other times I'm like, I'm totally down to be that for you. But other times I just, I just, I don't, I don't enjoy it. So then I've been kind of getting conflicting thoughts about what, like, like how I, as a, like a queer non-binary performer have like contributed to that and like kind of made that kind of feeling that I get possible. Like yeah. how much is that my own doing and how much is that just like weird structural forces at play? Mm. I don't know if this is just a rant at this point, but I've just been thinking about <laughs> that fine. kind of thing a lot. Just like thinking about like the different like issues that people have been seeing in DIY and like the, you know, the social justice elements that have been coming up and how we kind of reconcile with, you know, this very straight, cis, white, male centric thing um, in a way that's inclusive to everyone and not making anyone feel ostracized because of how they were born. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts about it and I have less answers than I think like every day I wake up, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't have this figured out. Like I have less and less figured out than, than like what I thought about my like politics. Yeah. Um, which I feel like is an important thing to be able to do is like unravel a bit and like unlearn while yeah. you're learning. Definitely. Um, um, and I assume the name gender work has something to do with that. How did you come to that name? Um, so I came up with it um, because I was kind of thinking about just like, um, I know it sounds like a little too on the nose, but just honestly how much work gender is <laughs> and like the amount of work that's at play, like just being like a queer, like non-binary like person having to do like, you know, the emotional labor of like constantly kind of having to explain like this part of yourself to other people that like is an important part of me, but I don't want to be like the central defining like reductionist element of who I am. Yeah. But I feel like the way that like our gender politics is, it kind of forces people who are like outside of that binary to constantly be like, this is my gender, 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 gender. <laughs> like, I don't want to do that all the time. <laughs> like in college I really did, but like now I don't. Um, and I guess thinking about like kind of navigating my gender through like, I guess sound and movement through like making this like music that like is like happy, sad dance music, I guess, <laughs> like combining like really like euphoric, like passion, pity, like we <laughs> with like, I'm really sad and a millennial in the end of the world kind of like thing. Um, and then also I try to like, I really like want like people to like dance at my shows and I want to be able to dance more. So like mm -hmm. kind of like doing that work of like, here's me working through figuring out what gender is for me, I guess, yeah. through sound, because I don't like lyrics <laughs> for myself. <laughs> so do you feel like um, you are, uh, like, when you compose a piece, are you hoping that you get all across specific meanings or specific emotions? Because if you write, you could, anyone can write lyrics and say, like, I'm sad, I'm sad about this. Right. But with instrumental music, do you feel like, um, you know, there's more effort to, uh, I guess express certain emotions or do you feel like you want people to feel a certain way or have a certain thought? I guess like sometimes I kind of view it as like soundtracking where maybe like there'll be like something where it's like like with summer rain I, I, like I like put that together just on like a day where like it was like really it was really nice out and it was like sunny and like hot and humid and all of a sudden like this like rain kicked in and I was like out on the porch just like <laughs> smelling like what like the warmth like I don't know like that smell of like rain when it's hot out I just like really like that smell and yeah. I'm just like thinking about like the way that the trees look a little bit greener when like everything else all of a sudden gets like gray and they're getting all like wet and I was just like I want to try to like like paint that picture, I guess, in a way. So it's like soundtracking that like clip of like that, like half an hour of like when it was raining and mm -hmm. like seeing if people can like also kind of get that vibe when they listen to it um, kind of thing um, as opposed to having any like specific meaning from it. 
Um, so I guess that's more like emotion based. Yeah. And people that I want people that feel, <laughs> I guess. Like I don't know how cliche that is. But. Well, I told you last night I was just yeah. having such specific emotions and I was listening to curled, which I mean, again, obviously is like an instrumental track, but I was like, this is just like how I feel right now. Like it just felt <laughs> so therapeutic. Oh, yeah. Um, do you feel like you would rather people know the title of a track when they're listening to it just to maybe provide like a bit of background or maybe put that thought in their mind or is it more like, I know. feel like, I guess now I'm being, I feel like I'm being a bit more intentional than I was before with song titles. Cause sometimes I was like, I don't know what to call this thing. <laughs> so like, bam, this, this <laughs> kind of fits. But now I feel like that I'm, I'm trying to like, I feel like I'm like getting closer to like conveying what I want. Like when I like finish a song, I, f- I feel, you know, um, like I feel like the title gets more important as like, I feel like whatever it is I'm getting at is like mm-hmm. getting like clearer. Um, mm-hmm. so definitely I would from now, like whatever I make now forward, like it would be nice if people, yeah, well, I guess like, kind of take the the title as like a starting point of like a prompt, I guess, whatever, yeah. to, like think or feel throughout like the rest of the, the rest of the song. Um, yeah. Cause that song that was making me think of just like being like curled up in bed at wintertime <laughs> and just like thinking about like being like a kid and I was trying to go for like early nineties, like, like sappy TV tones in a weird <laughs> way, like emotional, like montages at the end of like a, like late eighties, early nineties kids movie. That's like really emotional for some reason. And maybe like too emotional for little kids. And then you just like grow up being really sad about it. I don't know if that's relatable to anyone at all, but like, I don't know. It's just weird. I weird can think of like that. Do you ever watch the Christmas special of Hey Arnold? I don't think I did. Did it involve his parents? Was it like a heart tugging thing about no, his parents? No, that's a that's oh, or, or I, that that was something else. Yeah, but I, that was just a thing. man. Harold had a lot up. of a lot of great things. Yeah, I still have nightmares about the episode with the haunted train. That like oh. when I was a kid, like that character like really like haunted me for some reason. Yeah. It was like it was like my Bloody Mary because like, <laughs> like if I looked in the mirror too much, like he would be there. Okay. Um, is there anything else you want the world to know? Um. I guess honestly, I just feel like really thankful to be like where I'm at and like doing what I'm like doing now. And like, um, and I just feel, I know there's, um, I don't know, like DIY in Philly is like a very, can be a very tumultuous thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes there's, there's a whole lot going on and there's a whole lot of activity and there's a lot of very strong feelings about people and houses and like identity and all these things. Um, and all my Marxist, Kami rambling aside I really do feel very thankful to be where I'm at and be able to like make music that people actually are like enjoying or responding to in some way and being able to be supported by so many different people I'm just thinking about like I mean you like you (laughs) my first the first show I ever performed in Philly in like DIY anything was was backing you yes. up um, at the petting <laughs> zoo just, and like I tell people about that. that all the time and sometimes <laughs> it feels like come across as like being like the like the scene historian or whatever but I'm just trying to like I'm just finding ways to try to express gratitude um but that was just like that was such a fun powerful thing and then like yeah. uh I guess maybe we should explain more for people that don't know but it was um you're performing as Gregory Michael Jordan yeah, exactly. and me and uh, it's, the Do you remember how Buster. that, like, the genesis of how that started? It was so funny. It started when I was interviewing Buster and you were just kind of hanging out. And I was just there. Yeah, I was, just hanging yeah. out. And then somehow, like, I was just, so, and, like, and my dad was generous. Like, he took me there and he's allergic to uh, uh, fur, so he couldn't even come in because oh, of, no, of, of the cats. Yeah, so he was just kind enough to kind of, like, chill outside, but it just, like, burst into this jam session that we all got involved in. And then... <laughs> Like a week later, they were playing a show, and I just kind of like weaseled my way on. 
<laughs> it was so much fun. It was so, so yeah. fun. And then just a couple weeks later, I'd weaseled my way onto a bill <laughs> as gender work. And that's how that started. Like Connor was like, play the show at the petting zoo. And it was it was amazing. Yeah. Um, and I just haven't looked back. And I, I always thank you and thank them for no, so kind of helping me go from just being like a passive member that just like gets drunk at DIY shows <laughs> to like actually like being an active person and being like, oh, I'm going to like keep track of who it is I'm seeing and like reach out to people. And um, so, yeah, it's it's been it's been a really fun, fun ride. Cool. And I still always prefer playing basement shows over yeah. over anywhere else. It's always <laughs> the most fun and accepting. And I don't know. I, I really like that environment. So. Cool. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, and thank you. Yes, <laughs> you'll play one more song. Sure, I'll play cool. one more.
Yes. Thank you. I guess we should have three of them.